So what I was going to say to any one of you, if you're going to ever have a heart attack, now's the time. You've got all these cardiologists here, okay? So now's the time to get sick if you're going to get sick, okay? Uh, let this officially be known as the cavalcade of cardiologists. That was funny. Okay, Commissioner, now that you've concluded your cavalcade of cardiologists, whenever you're ready. Okay. By the way, everybody speaking will be uh, should be with less than six, seven minutes. So you're not going to be standing at a board. Bogan, death. you've got till 4:30 at Thank least, you. and possibly longer. Okay. If so I just want to do a quick introduction, if, if that's okay with with you. Um, what I'm proposing today will not end up saving one life. Will not end up saving hundreds of lives, but will actually end up saving thousands of lives. And the data will be shown today how this will save thousands and thousands of lives. And what I always think it is, it's good it was if you could take a tragedy and make it into a positive. So just so you know where it's coming from, where I'm coming from, uh, 17 years ago, my mom uh, felt great, uh, traveled, exercised, vibrant lady, had no symptoms whatsoever. She thought she was in good health, but experienced what hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people experience every day uh, you know, in the United States annually, and that's called instant cardiac death. No warning, no symptoms. What she experiences is the leading cause of death, and matter of fact, every 36 seconds, someone dies from cardiac disease. Every 36 seconds. Fast forward 18 years today. I've spent the past year, many of you know I've talked about it, I've spent the past year educated, immersed, and working with medical professionals, and have come to realize that elected officials, we as elected officials, can save lives. And so I want to talk about, we do a lot of important things, right? We talk about uh, economic development and helping the homeless and social services. We talk about uh, affordable housing. I think we talk about affordable housing. And, and we talk about waste disposal, recycling, living wages. And we deal with many issues that affect the lives of everybody, right? However, if someone asked you, what is the most important issue that you could work on? My answer would be, if we can look back and say, I saved someone's life, that to me would be the ultimate. All these issues are important. I'm not here to diminish any issues of what we do every day. As I said, it's all important issues. They're all necessary issues. But without health, there's not much left. So after my mom passed away, I was wondering, do I have to worry now because I have a cardiac issue? I met with the chief cardiologist at a well-known hospital, and that cardiologist told me, this is going back uh, 15 years ago, you know, if your mom would have went through a slice scanner machine, we could have seen the buildup, we could have done something, and I'm going, oh, what's a slice scanner machine? Never heard of it. My father is a doctor, my brother's a doctor, never even heard of this machine. And basically, um, the, the machine now is, is, fast forward, is called a CT cardiac. Um, Ron, you would grab that uh, so you, you could see what it is. Here's the problem why I'm here today. If I, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk to you, Commissioner Udeen, Vice Mayor. How do you feel today? Great. Great. So if I say to Commissioner Udeen, hold on one second, Ron. If I say to Commissioner Udeen, you feel great, I feel great. Let's go to Holy Cross. Let's go do that CT exam. The problem is it doesn't cover preventative. Is not covered by insurance. Preventive cardiac and most cancers is not covered. Yes, mammograms and some colonoscopies, but the leading cause of death and other leading causes of death are not covered. We have no coverage on preventative. So if we want to get a CT cardiac test as a preventative or we want to get cancer screening, again, 
it's not covered. So I kind of feel we don't really have health care. We have sick care. We're covered if we have insurance. It's covered when we're sick. It's not aimed to help keep, keep people healthy. I believe our entire system is set up to treat you when you're sick and not address it when you're healthy. And I kind of look at it, you know, if, if we kind of make it so you wait till it's stage four cancer, wait till it's a 99% blockage rather than catch it early. Wealthy people can afford all these tests. Okay, so you're going to see on this list all these wealthy people. The, this is for people who are moderate to low income people who can't afford these preventative tests. So what I'm trying to do is level the playing field. Mayor, I'm trying to level the playing field. I need your attention. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> what I'm going to propose, I'm going to be done in a minute. What I propose is a program, again, that will save thousands of lives. Uh, it's not speculative. You're going to hear something called the Scott study that proved that cardiac death can be reduced 40 to 50% by the utilization of these tests. Um, I want to propose something that will save the lives of Broward residents. Today, we mostly, we're going to mostly focus on cardiac screening, not the cancer screening. I, have, I will come back with that. But cardiac testing can actually stop a heart attack where cancer screening, you could detect it early, and it's a better chance of survival for the patient. So I'm asking all of you to consider this. I don't believe it exists anywhere in the country. We could set a model for preventative health. And what I want to first real quickly talk about I didn't have a chance to call all the mayors, all the elected officials, go to all the business. So I, I got a third of the mayors in Broward County. I got our, most of our constitutional officers. I went to some of the most prominent business people to get support, community leaders, labor leaders. I tried to get a cross section from pastors to you know, the owners of companies to Republicans and Democrats. And um, I hope everybody here knows um, um, Austin Foreman. Does everybody here know Austin Foreman? He felt fine. He can afford the test. He went in just as a preventative. Absolutely no symptoms, nothing. And in the past year, they said after the test, he was 99% blocked. He needed open heart surgery. He can't be here today, but he said, Mark, tell everybody that machine saved my life. Okay. Um, well, I don't want to mention the person's name. He asked that I don't mention his name. We even have here a lawyer at the county attorney's office who's 47 years old who felt great, no symptoms, told me that uh, his numbers were good, his cholesterol, all his heart rate, all, all this stuff was good, but he found out after having a major heart attack, he had three blocked arteries, nearly died, and then said, I never even heard of this type of a test. And personally with me, I was worried about, because of the history of my family, in 2017, I went through the test, I had a 20% blockage. <coughs> three months ago, I went through it, I had a 60% blockage. So now I'm on medic. That's the bad news. The good news is I'm on medication, and I'm being treated for it, where most people won't even know about it. So, the next logical question is, how is this going to be paid for? And I tried to look at a lot of different options. I will never vote to raise taxes. I would never ask anyone here to vote to raise taxes. Let me say that again. I'm not asking any one of you to raise taxes. But what I am asking is to let the public decide because the public will be the ones to benefit. This will be something that no community in, in the United States that I'm aware of will have the chance where we could save so many lives. And the great thing about the proposal that I'm talking about is a half a penny. 30% is a subsidy walking in the door. 30% of the money, the money generated, comes from visitors and non-Broward residents. 
one thing that you don't know. If this went forward and this passed, we would save $13 million from our general fund. Let me say that again. If this went forward and this passed, the half penny and the whole program, we would save $13 million from our general fund. And that's because every year for the past 10, 20 years, we give $13 million for indigent care to the two Broward health systems. Under the statute, if this half penny passed, we would have to put aside 25 to 30 million for indigent care. People that don't have the care and can't get it from Medicaid or Medicare, but indigent care money would have to be put aside. And therefore, we wouldn't have to use that. We would have a 13 actually million dollar credit. But that's not why I'm doing it here. But I just wanted to point that out. I would also ask for a sunset date. I would want to have a sunset date on this. I would propose 12 years. I think it would take two years to get off the ground and have a 10 year to look back and show how successful it was and then let the voters come back and decide. Last but not least, this list of support. I want to let everybody know I spoke to every person personally on this list and told them exactly what I'm telling you about the need for preventative care, how this care can save thousands and thousands of lives. And I told every one of these people that right now the only way I see paying for it is to let the voters decide on a half penny. They all said, put my name down. So I want to let you know the support that I was able to get with this. And with that, I want to introduce to you somebody I've been working with. I have very high esteem for this individual. Uh, he's nationally uh, known and been involved in things uh, about this. He'll tell you his background. It's Dr. Claudio Schmuklevisky. Dr. Schmuklevisky, nice to see you again, sir. Uh, Dr. Schmuklevisky performed you. this test on me five, six years ago. You're oh. recognized, sir. Ah, Mayor right. Geller, thank you machine. very much. Uh, there are distinguished, some of the top physicians in our community here, and I also um, have one, uh, one of the top, world top scientists uh, talk to you about this uh, as well. He's, he's on the phone, unfortunately he couldn't make it. Uh, but I, I just want you to have information. I think it's important for you to understand this information because about half of us in this room are going to sustain a heart attack and possible death unless we take preventive measures. So this is how important this is. I'm a triple board certified radiologist that focuses and specializes in the heart. I am part of developing this technology from the last two decades, which has evolved. I started the first accredited teaching center for physi training physicians to do this technology. I was the first in the world for a company called Philips doing this. I've traveled all over the world uh, uh, conducting courses and lecturing about this subject. Um, I've presented uh, hundreds, of, hundreds of lectures all around the world on this subject. And next slide, I also have published two textbooks. Next slide. Audiovisual. You fall asleep. Okay, great. Steve, would you tell Audiovisual to wake up? Audiovisual, wake up. Thank you. Better? <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, Is this a button for that? No. Okay. Um, who is that? Who is out there She's doing that? Right there in front of it's it. Yep. Just Doesn't seem to be working. Oh. Hi, Mike. Let's do this. There you go. I'll go back. There you go. 
Okay, so uh, the, I published two textbooks on this. Uh, this was the latest. Um, now, when we hear about pandemic, what we think about is the COVID, right? But there's another pandemic that really nobody talks about that kills even more people than the virus has, which is cardiovascular diseases. It is much more prevalent. It will kill as many or more than current COVID, and it has killed many, many millions of more in the past and into the future. So I just want to give you some basic solid information. And if you look at worldwide diseases, the lion's share, which you see in the red, is cardiovascular diseases and heart attacks. And you look at cancer and other causes of mortality, and trillions and trillions of dollars will be spent in the next few years treating this. So this is not only a U.S. problem, it's a worldwide problem. And places even that I've traveled to and conducted courses like Indonesia, which is largely a rural uh, nation uh, where mostly they die from infectious diseases like pneumonia, cardiovascular heart attacks has become the number one. It's a, it's a worldwide pandemic. And the probability at birth of dying from, from cardiovascular diseases is 47% versus 22% from cancer. So you have more than twice the likelihood of dying of cardiovascular diseases, both Beth and women, than from cancer. The lifetime risk of a 40-year-old male of developing symptomatic heart disease is 50, almost 50%. Half of us in here will develop this, and it's 32% for females, which is much larger than, than breast cancer. And it's the single largest killer of American males and females. And I, I place this picture because what happens is one out of four or five patients, the first, first symptom of heart disease is sudden death. And why does that happen? You go to the doctor, he does a stress test, everything is fine, and boom, there's a, and the patient falls and, and dies. And, and it happens because we've now learned that you have a plaque inside the artery and it's not causing anything, but for whatever reason, it suddenly enlarges and ruptures, and that's what causes sudden death. So one out of four or five patients, the first symptom is sudden death. If people have a heart attack, half, 50% of those, half of them will die in the first event. So it's a very, so this is a person who was a runner who came to our office. So this is what a study looks like. You see the narrowing, that's called the Widowmaker, right in the proximal. And that's the corresponding angiogram. Now this is what the CT scan looks like, and there's a picture for, if they're scans that are done, they utilize very minimal radiation. It can be done in one or two heartbeats, just a few seconds. It uses a minimal amount of contrast when we do it. It's a very easy, simple technology, which obviously has evolved over the last 20 years. With it, we can do just simple calcium scores looking for signs of atherosclerosis disease, or we can do with minimal amount of contrast. And I've not done anything to these images, but the software is very advanced. It extracts automatically the coronary arteries, as you see here. I've done nothing to these pictures. And it produces 3D, 4D images, which are high resolution. So this is a highly, highly accurate test that will tell you if you have disease, you don't have disease, how bad the disease, what your risk factors are, and what you need to do. It's a definitive answer that's done non-invasively in just a few seconds. So this is a patient that went to the emergency room at Holy Cross. He's in 50 years old, and he's got critical severe disease. He came symptomatic. This is what it looks like, and this is the corresponding angiogram. So this essentially is what it looks like before somebody has a heart attack and death. And the important thing to understand that this is not a process that happens when we get older. It's actually a pediatric disease that starts in the second decade of life. So the opportunity here is if we can detect this earlier and treat it, you know, what effect can you have? And the, 
let me just keep going. There is a trial that was done in, in, in Europe, in the UK, called the Scott trial. They said, okay, what are the outcomes? How can this help? And they showed by utilizing the STET test and, and seeing what patients have and using this information to adequately treat somebody, they found you can decrease morbidity, that is heart attacks and death, by half. I mean, this turned Europe on their head, where now it is considered a first-line study. It will be a first-line study soon in the United States, but they're ahead like two, three years. Test, test, test not study. So imagine not only the amount of millions of lives that we could save utilizing this, but the cost. It's the number one cost in, of the healthcare system that is buckling, you know, because of the, I mean, so the opportunity to make a difference is tremendous. And I leave you with this last slide, which is actually remarkable, because this is the, fir the recognized first medical test, um, te medical text by, is in Chinese, it's over 4,000 years old, that says superior doctors prevent the disease, mediocre doctors treat the disease before it's evident, and inferior doctors treat the full-blown disease. So I see a great opportunity for us, and I finish without my presentation and would like to introduce, I have. Uh, Before you introduce anyone else, let's see if there are questions for you. Okay. Okay, I'll have two quick ones. First of all, how often do you recommend this test? Well, I'm not the treating physician. There are people better qualified that you can ask that, which are the cardiologists. But essentially, if half of the males are going to develop this disease, we need to, it's not like anybody that's walking through the street. We need to hone down what people, which ones are at risk of developing and knowing what they have. And really the point of the meeting and the passion of Commissioner Bogan is, you know, this is essentially is a test uh, and it's not just about a test, it's about a pathway of taking care of ourselves and preventing heart attack. And right now, it's really a test of the uh, study, a test of the affluent. Okay. So this is an opportunity for you to be able to help access to people who are actually the most vulnerable. For example, the African-American community would benefit the most because they have a much higher incidence of heart disease and death, as you probably well know. Dr. Smakovsky, the question, and maybe this is for a cardiologist, is if you have a 55-year-old male overweight, which is not me because I'm actually older than that, I just meet the other two criteria, um, would you recommend that they be tested every year, every five years, every 10 years, every three years? Is there any Well, this is all evolving. There is no strong data to support that. However, uh, and you're going to hear from Dr. Min where you can, there is technology using artificial intelligence that this test can now be utilized, for example, if you have disease and then you go under treatment, whether it be exercise, medicines, through AI, they can follow you like in a year and see, is it working? Are you having plaque regression? Is it healing or are you getting worse? So it's not just about detecting the disease, now we need to treat it. So we're great about treatments right now. We have many options. What we're not great at is at prevention. And the insurance companies don't cover for prevention. And this is where we stand today to try to move the needle in that point. And I had one last question, which is, uh, I believe that you have at Holy Cross the only machine capable of doing what I've heard called a virtual angiogram. Is that correct? No, we're not the only machine. Okay. No, we do the most in the county by far. I mean. Most hospitals have this type of modern technology. They just have to ramp up and be able to do it. 
but no, we're not the only ones. Okay. We're the ones that do the most. Are there enough machines in Broward right now if we pass this to do this, or would you need to be There added? definitely would be, okay. 100%. They would just have to uh, ramp up the utilization in okay. their programs. All right. Are there Most any definitely. additional questions for Dr. Smaklovitsky? If not, thank you, Doctor, and uh, Commissioner Bogan, who's next. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do we have uh, Dr. Min on the line where he can speak? Can you hear me? Or is there a Dr. Min on the phone? Dr. Min, you're recognized, sir. Thank you for being here today. Me. Um, hey, Jim. Claudio, you... is it okay if I just jump in? Yes, please, sir. Uh, can I introduce him? Yes. I just, I mean, you need to, I want you to know who you're speaking to because I wanted you to hear from not just your local physicians but at a national level. This is one of the most recognized scientists in the world who's basically has done research. He's a cardiologist. He's a board-certified cardiologist. He's uh, spent 15 years at Cornell Medical College and the New York Presbyterian Hospital. He was full professor and director of the Dalio Institute of Cardiovascular Imaging. Jim has served as the principal investigator on more than 10 multi-center clinical trials focused on coronary artery disease. So this is a man who actually has, has developed the literature that actually proves what we're saying here is correct. He's published over 500 peer-reviewed scientific papers in regard, and he also has been past president of UNR Society. So this is one of the most reputable, if not most knowledgeable people in the world to talk about this. Jim, can you go? Thank you for being here today, Dr. Men. You're recognized. Please begin your presentation. Great. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for having me, and I apologize for not being able to be there in person. Um, and I'll try to keep this uh, fairly short and just dovetail off of, um, off of the last comments. But I have essentially seven points that, I had tr that I'd like to try to make over the course of the next few minutes. Um, and the first just starts with a rhetorical question that, like, takes me back 20 years when I was training. And that rhetorical question is, like, um, it's to, to, the, um, to the board there. Um, do you ever wonder why we use advanced non-invasive imaging to prevent the most common cause of cancer, but not the most common cause of death? And so if you rewind 20 years when I was training, um, the way we did things was we recommended to women that we, they should do monthly breast exams um, in order to, for early detection of breast cancer. We used to check for blood in the stool to see whether or not somebody might have colon cancer. And we used to use chest x-rays to try to detect early lung cancer. And over the last 20 years, none of those things are recommended in medicine anymore. And it's because they, they simply didn't work. And they didn't work because they were compared to uh, care paradigms where we leveraged uh, low-dose, high-resolution imaging. So in the case of breast cancer, it's 3D mammography or digital breast tomosynthesis. In the case of colon cancer, it's a colonoscopy. And in the case of lung cancer, um, we find those lung cancers early using low-dose, high-resolution lung CT scans. So if those are the most common causes of cancer, if we think about the most common cause of death, I'll, I'll I'll add on top of the sort of the statistics that have been um, told to you before, but the scope of the problem is this. Like we, we always say cardiovascular disease is the number one cause of mortality and morbidity in this world. Um, but to put it in a frame of reference, like literally last year there were twofold more cardiovascular deaths in the U.S. than there were deaths from COVID-19, right? And that, that equates to more cardiovascular deaths than deaths from all cancers combined, 
right? So whether it's lung, prostate, breast, if you add them all up, there are more people dying of cardiovascular disease. And I think in particular, women think that it's breast cancer that is the most common cause of deaths, but the actual death rates come at a three-to-one expense that favors cardiovascular disease as the more, most potent killer uh, in women today. So that's the sort of the scope of the problem, the second point I want to make. The third is sort of a reexamination of how we've done things over the course of the last 25 to 50 years in cardiology. And I'm sure that many in the room um, sort of have gone through the typical sort of three-stage workup. You know, when you go to your doctor, they say, hey, we're going to check you for your risk factors, and those include things like your cholesterol and whether you have a high level of a bad cholesterol. Maybe at some point you develop some shortness of breath or chest pain, and you go to the doctor and they say, okay, you've got these symptoms that uh, we need to take a look at. Or maybe, um, you know, you, your doctor's concerned about you, and so they put you on a treadmill and do what's called a stress test, looking for um, reduced blood flow to the heart muscle. So if you think about that, cholesterol is not a disease that we're trying to prevent. It's a surrogate of the disease, and symptoms of, of chest pain aren't diseases. They're signs of disease. And when you think about what the stress test does, it looks for this concept of reduced blood flow, which isn't actually disease. It's the sequela of disease. So we look for surrogates of disease, which actually miss about 70% of the people who are going to have heart attack. We wait passively for people to come in with chest pain, um, signs of disease, not actual disease. And that misses more than half the people who will die of sudden coronary death, who feel no symptoms before they die. And then we look at sequela of disease, which actually misses almost 80% of the lesions that will actually cause heart attack. So surrogates of disease, signs of disease, sequela of disease, but over the last 50 years, we've never actually measured the disease. And so that brings me to my fourth point, which is related to that cardiac CT scan, or what's called a coronary CT angiogram. The reason it's such a special test is that it's the only test that is non-invasive that allows for direct measurement of the actual disease. And the actual disease is atherosclerosis, or plaque buildup within the heart arteries. It's non-invasive. Over the course of the last 15 years, since the introduction of the first clinically capable scanners, it became very safe. So um, radiation doses that can be as low as a screening mammogram, so you could literally repeat it every year safely. It's very fast and convenient. The latest generation scanners takes about one second um, to image the entire heart. And then over the course of the last 15 years, there's been a slew of multi-center clinical trials that have really um, strengthened the scientific evidence base such that the United Kingdom, um, the European Society of Cardiology, and many other professional society guidelines now recommend this test as the first-line test, albeit for symptomatic patients who present with maybe chest pain or, or shortness of breath. And uniquely, the coronary CT angiogram allows you to look at these fatty plaques, the ones that are cholesterol-ridden and filled with fat. And that is what, in the trials, has been shown to be the strongest predictor of who, which individual person uh, you can pinpoint to say that person will have a heart attack versus that person uh, will not. And so the, the fifth point, I think, is to say, like, you know, is it useful to, to explore the, the use of coronary CT angiography in a population-based um, evaluation, right? So all over Broward County. So this is a very timely <clears throat> question because just today we saw the publication of a very large 25,000 patient study of 
of people, not of patients, just regular people walking around who all underwent coronary CT angiograms. And it turns out that in that study, nearly half of these people um, had plaque buildup sort of facing their arteries and were at increased risk of a heart attack. So it's a really, like one out of two people you will identify as requiring treatment. And that brings me to my sixth point, which is the problem is not treatment. Um, the problem is that we don't identify the right people who could benefit from that treatment. We, we couldn't always say that. Five years ago, we essentially just had one medication that would prevent heart attacks and prevent and slow the progression of plaque. Today, we have more than a dozen medications that we can use because of so much innovation in the pharmaceutical realm that now we can, we can very effectively treat people to reduce heart attack rates. What we need to do, though, is to, to find them and to pinpoint these individuals so that they can get the proper treatment. And then the last statement that I'll make is like, what, what I think uh, Commissioner Bogan is, is proposing here is to essentially replicate the world's most successful preventive care paradigms, which have all been in cancer mortality prevention, right? Where they, instead of using populations of people um, and population-based medicine where we know one group of a million people is at more risk than another million people, what they've gone to is personalized and precision medicine where they pinpoint each individual who's at risk and then they treat them effectively. So I think that um, the commission has the opportunity to truly eradicate heart attacks in Broward County and serve as just a beacon of light as the most progressive, forward-thinking ways of how we can reduce and prevent the number one cause of death uh, in Broward County and also in the world. So I'll stop there and see if there's any comments or questions. Thank you, Doctor. We appreciate your commentary. Uh, commissioners, are there any questions? Commissioners, are there any questions? Uh, if not, Doc, you said one thing I'll ask quickly about. So did I hear you correctly that, for example, a thallium stress test would only be, I think I heard you say 50% that would only uh, diagnose, I think you said 50%, while this test is virtually 90% plus uh, accurate. Is that correct, Doctor? Yeah, actually, the, you asked a really good question about these thallium stress tests, which have been around for about 50 years now. There was a recent paper on a landmark clinical trial. It was the largest randomized control trial ever that actually showed that the worse your thallium stress test results, the better your outcome, and the better your stress test results, the worse the outcome, which really just put a hole into this whole use of stress testing because it simply doesn't work to predict who's going to have a heart attack and who's not. And so we really need better measures than, you know, these historical tests that we've been using for 50 years. Okay, thank you, sir. Commissioner Holness, you're recognized, sir. Doctor, you said that the black community is more at risk. Excuse me, Commissioner Holness, is this your, is your question well, to Dr. You're talking to one of the top people in the world on this. Ask, uh, he is much more qualified, Dr. Mint, to answer your what question. I'm just using your, your yes, statement. Yes, absolutely. Right. Go ahead. So my question is, what would be done to ensure that if we do what is being suggested, that this community be focused on? And, and here's why I'm asking that question. In most instances, those who have access are not the black community. That's correct. So how will we implement a program that will ensure that 
they have as much access as anyone else. Do you want me to answer that? Because, like I said, this is for the affluent and rich right now, if you will, that have access to it. The whole point of this is giving access to the people that are the most vulnerable that do not have access. So the criteria for qualifying for this uh, particular test would be the vulnerable and who are the ones that the ones that are highest risk, the vulnerable that don't have access. So a lar it's largely the, the African American community. But it still doesn't answer my questions. You said the criteria. They would be prioritized. Uh, what is the priority? How we haven't developed it? that yet, but the but that's going to be developed between county officials and professionals to determine. I mean, all this data is very clear as to you know who has a higher incidence of. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Holness, yeah. I don't think. Wait, can I just say one thing, Mayor? Mayor, excuse me, yes. Commissioner Holness. Uh, people have asked those kind of questions and said, like, how many machines are we going to need? How are we going to get these people through? How is someone going to register for a test? And those are all the logistic good questions that somebody can ask. However, the first step was to see if we can get on the ballot. And if we can get on the ballot, listen, let me finish. If we get on the ballot, we will have a year to put together with the medical and diagnostic professionals, they will have a committee. And if you and others want to be on that committee to ensure that something to make sure, but I, I think standing here right now, the goal is to show you what the science shows. Well, uh, well I'm sorry, uh, Commissioner Bogan, my experience is different. Okay. My lived experience is different. different. Well, this is my, not for the wealthy. Me, <laughs> let me, this is not for the wealthy. Commissioner, sorry. please go ahead. Commissioner Honus, speak. Okay. My lived experience is different. My lived experience tells me that if we wait until later, later never comes. So before I would sign on to support something like this, I need to know upfront so that the folks that listens to me will then be able to, I can be in clear conscience, say, hey, this is certainty. This is what we're going to do. When we passed the, the, the penny tax for transportation, and I went out and told folks to support this regressive tax that affects lower income people far greater than higher income people, uh, which this will be also, a greater percentage of their income is affected. Uh, it might not sound like a lot of money, but for some people who are struggling, barely able to provide food and medicine already for themselves. It hurts them more. So I want to know, as we did with the penny tax, there was a goal set up front, not afterwards. 30% of, of the contracting be given to our uh, CBE, SBE program, who, which is made up mostly of women and minority companies. Uh, we also uh, ensure that transportation system reaches these communities that need access to get to work that don't have the ability to afford their own vehicles. That's kind of what I'm looking for here, that that, that be set up up front. I don't know whether it's you or Commissioner Bolton or who else is going to form this. Yeah, I mean, the medical question. Yeah, I mean, from my Dr. perspective. Kamasovsky, this is a question to Commissioner Bogan. Correct, and I would never, ever you don't know me, but I would never, ever, ever be part of something that's jaded towards one or other community. That's just even against our, our, our Hippocratic Oath. So that would be a political decision. That would not be a medical decision. And it was something which I would uh, recommend to be involved in. Okay. 
to assure that. The reality of life tells me something different. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Are there any additional <clears throat> questions of Dr. Smukovsky? By the way, Dr. Smukovsky, huh? it's been pointed out to me, everyone speaking must be wearing a mask. Oh, I asked. I'm sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So, it's, right. They, we have a rule that if you're sitting at the dais in between the plexiglass, whether it works, but every place else. All right. Um, are there additional questions of, uh, sorry, what doctor, the name of the physician on the phone? Dr. Uh, Dr. Min. Min, we're finished with Are him. there additional questions of either Dr. Min or Dr. Smuklovsky? Not seeing any. Commissioner Bogan, who do you have next up? Yeah. I'd like to present uh, Dr. Alan Niederman, who has been, he's an interventional, distinguished interventional cardiologist in multiple hospitals. He's been in town from 1987. He was actually the first trained interventional cardiologist in South Florida, very experienced. He actually worked and trained under the people that invented uh, interventional cardiology at Emory University, please. Hey, Dr. Niederman, thank you for being here today, sir. You're recognized. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, I just want to make one thing perfectly clear before I start, is that whatever I say is my opinion personally and not the opinion of any uh, institution I may be working for. It's very important that you understand that. We understand that, sir. Thank you. I'm, I, what I represent is the failure of medicine. And what, what I mean by that is that I'm the person they call when someone has a heart attack. And then I go and I fix the heart attack. And any heart attack that someone has causes heart damage. So we have now created an entire population of people who have significantly, at times, damaged hearts, which leads to a significantly greater expense of medical care. They need heart transplants, some of them. They need devices. They need defibrillators. It, it, the cost is astounding to the bottom line of medicine. So prevention of that is determined upon the testing to find out who does and who does not have coronary disease. Because we've now been given enormous medical uh, advances so that we can make someone's LDL cholesterol zero. We never had that before. But, but with the test, with the medications we have now, we can actually prevent the progression and, and identify who is at risk and who is not at risk of having heart attacks. That along with the other issues that occur in many, particularly men, of diabetes, high blood pressure, smoking, all these other things are important. But in my daily practice of medicine, what I am asked to do by the insurance companies all the time is utilize tests that are 60 years old. Well, we're not in early 1950s anymore. We're in the early 2020s. And so if we're going to continue to apply the technology of 1950 to 2020, we're going to get the same result. So what we can do in this community, which would be 
game-changing for both the community and as an example to other communities in the country of allowing us to identify who does and who does not have coronary disease 99% of the time. Because any atherosclerotic changes in the coronary system require treatment. And by giving that treatment, we can prevent the progression of the illness and the disease. And I'd love to be put out of business because I don't really like getting up at 2 in the morning to do this, but that's what we do. And thank God we have it. And thank God we have institutions in this county which are expert at providing that kind of care. But we'd all rather see patients in the office than in the cath lab. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before you go, are there any questions? Are there any questions? If not, thank you, sir. Commissioner Bogan, who do you have next? Or Dr. Dr. Commissioner Bogan, is Dr. Smuklovisky calling the witnesses? Okay, Dr. Smuklovisky, who do you have next, sir? Thank you. Uh, Dr. Uh, Alexander Janos, who's an interventional cardiologist, general cardiologist. He's triple board certified. He did his cardiology at Emory and uh, trained in interventional and structural cardiology, which is a very complex procedure at, at Massachusetts General Hospital at Harvard Medical School. Doctor, thank you for being here today. We appreciate that. You're recognized, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I think, you know, I'm going to just echo a lot of things that have been said because I think there is a real opportunity to change the landscape of medicine and healthcare, not just for Broward, but in the world. I, I agree a lot with what Dr. Niederman was saying that I've been here now for 10 years, and unfortunately, in South Florida, we're a number of decades behind sometimes even some of the other major metropolitan areas. Now that's despite the fact that from a population perspective, the Tri-County area is massive compared to other uh, large cities in the US. I think the other thing that strikes me is that when we look at the cost of healthcare in the US, we spend more per patient and get worse results than other well-developed countries, and we all know that. And we think part of that is what we're talking about here, is that we're focusing on reacting to medicine as opposed to focusing on preventing disease. Or we're, we're treating disease, we're acting to disease as opposed to preventing disease. And I think as, as Dr. Smolkovitsky pointed out, this is not a new idea. The preventative healthcare, we've known about this for 5,000 years since you know, uh, the age of Chinese medicine. I think with the team that we have here in the room and the manpower uh, and the energy, I think this is something that we could actually accomplish. And it would help set South Florida apart from other counties uh, in the US and we would become a world leader in this. And I think that's part of what the opportunity is. We could help our community, we could elevate healthcare, um, and we could all be part of that working together. Physicians are not going to be able to accomplish this on their own. As Dr. Niederman mentions, we come in, at, I'm also, I also come in at 2, 3 in the morning to treat patients that have heart attacks. And we realize that there's a better way. I think this, what we're trying to accomplish in the room, is, is that idea. It's just a matter of how we get over uh, some of the nuance and get to the execution side of, of what we're trying to accomplish here. 
Um, but it, it's, it's a real honor to be part of this initiative, and hopefully we can all come together and get this accomplished. Doctor, uh, first, are there any questions? I have one. So based on what I'm hearing from all the doctors, it sounds like all of you agree that the uh, stress test and or thallium stress test don't work. Um, are there any other treatments besides this one that you think work? Yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll comment just briefly on that because I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding. So um, as it relates to screening for disease, this is a much better way to do it. We have not done that in a very aggressive fashion as much as we should as a medical community in, in cardiovascular medicine. For the purposes of screening for this disease, this technology, CAT scanning technology, is a much better technology. The challenge is with nuclear stress tests is that they're only designed to pick up blockages that are, that are more than 70 or 80% blocked. So you have to have much more advanced disease for a nuclear stress test to even detect it. What we're saying is if we can detect this disease when you only have 10, 20% blockages, it. so it never gets there, then that's the real opportunity. And the reason is, is because as was mentioned previously, 25% of people, the, their very first event, their very first heart attack event, they die from. They never make it to the hospital. And we have not been able to do much to move the needle uh, to reduce that number in the recent decades, but this represents that opportunity. Okay. And is this uh, the cardiac, uh, excuse me, the uh, virtual angiogram or whatever sure. it's called, is this the only, is this the, what you consider the state of the art? Yes. Thing? Yes. And, and I, I would say that um, this is one of the areas, and in large part because of uh, individuals like Dr. Smolkovitsky, where, where we do, uh, we are comparable to the level of expertise in other major metropolitan areas like New York, Chicago, LA, DC, Boston. Um, uh, and, and I think this would help to elevate all other parts of medicine in Broward County because I think if we set the bar here, I think the other specialties in Broward County would follow suit that we start to create a more academic climate, a more a climate of let's improve healthcare. Let's just not practice healthcare. Let's work on improving the system of healthcare. That's a very important point you just made, sir. Any other questions? Vice Mayor Udine, you're recognized. What's the, what's the cost of the test to the, pay, to the patient? I think currently it's $495. Yeah, it's 495 for cash payer, which is actually, the at least at our facility, Holy Cross, it's a machine that's over $2 million. I mean, it's not only used for hearts, but for other things. It's a very advanced machine, so it's a program the hospital has been willing to provide access to patients. So the whole test, 495. For a calcium score, it's $100 or less, which what, is just... And do yeah. they do this at the other, like North Broward Hospital District Memorial? They do offer them, and I don't know their pricing, but I think they're all Similar. basically competitive about it. Okay. Are there any additional questions? If not, thank you, Doctor. Were you done? I yes, sir. Thank you, Doctor Smuklovitsky. Next, your next witness. Witness. <laughs> You're testifying I, to I, a I, committee. It's my pleasure. Um, I want to introduce Doctor Tiffany Sizemore, who is a quadruple board-certified uh, cardiologist, who is passionate about uh, cardiac prevention of, uh, of, 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 of basically heart attacks and death. 
and she's uh, immediate past president of the American Heart Association of South Florida. She teaches at various insti uh, uh, university institutions, and she's recently appointed to the Board of Osteopathic Medicine by our current Governor DeSantis. Tiffany? We'll forgive you for that. Um, <laughs> I thought about leaving that one out. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been better off. Doctor, you're recognized. Luckily, thank you it's for a, being here thank today. Thank you. Luckily, it's an extraordinarily apolitical position. So, <laughs> I am an extraordinarily preventive cardiologist. That is what I do. I am not an interventional cardiologist. The vast majority of my patients come to me as second and third opinions. And I will tell you that this testing modality has saved so many of my patients' lives because they had odd symptoms that no one else could figure out, they had normal stress tests, a lot of them are women, and a lot of them were African American. And this test single-handedly saved their lives. Two of my patients who are gonna speak in a little bit, one of which had symptoms with a normal stress test, one of which had zero symptoms, who both ended up with open heart surgery are here to kind of testify, for lack of a better word, on the, the utility of this test and how it really did save their lives. So I know it's been mentioned time and time and time and time again at this meeting, but I just want to stress it again, and I say this every time I get a chance to talk in front of anybody. Heart disease is the number one killer of people, period. Not breast cancer, not prostate cancer, not lung cancer, across women, across men, period. End of story. So if we can prevent that, we prevent deaths in our community. What I would love is to Florida not be the laughingstock, finally. <laughs> And to have something that we say, look what we did. We, look what we did in Broward County. We saved lives. We were the first to do this, and we did it, and we did it right. And um, Commissioner Holness, I want to speak to your point, because I think it's very valid. I take call at Broward Health Medical Center for indigent call. I see it. I get it. All day, every day. I take internal medicine call. So I get very sick people, people without insurance, people who haven't seen doctors in years. I also come from a town that's very similar. I was born and raised in Fort Pierce. So I was born and raised in a very similar community. I became a cardiologist for those people because I saw the discrepancy. So I get your point and I understand where you're coming from, but I guarantee you that's not going to happen. Not on my watch. Not if I'm part of the, not if I'm part of the panel, which Dr. Smolkovinsky has asked me to do. Lastly, um, I want to tell you two stories because I think it kind of reiterates something. When I was on call at Broward, probably three calls ago, about a month ago, there was an African-American gentleman that was part of a cycling club. And he was cycling down Las Olas, you know, the very fast cycles. I don't know how people do that. The bikes, the tires, this, then. Cycling down Las Olas is part of a cycling club. Never had symptoms. Collapsed on Las Olas. Done. Luckily, he had a bystander who performed bystander CPR on him. And the bystander happened to be a nurse at the hospital. And she saved his life. He had zero symptoms prior to literally collapsing, ending up with open heart surgery, and miraculously did well. Had he had someone, or had he been able to self-refer, which is what I'm hoping we'll be able to do, is just like mammograms, you can self-refer, and you basically, what check boxes do you have? Most highest triage goes to the top. Probably never would have happened to him. He was a diabetic, hypertensive patient that no one thought about doing this for because he was asymptomatic. Another patient I had had just fatigue. I was her third opinion. Fatigue, I'm fatigued, I'm fatigued, I'm tired, I'm tired. No chest pain, no shortness of breath, I'm just tired. Female, cardiac CTA, quadruple bypass a week later. 
this test saves lives. And, I, and it's way cheaper than any stress test, way cheaper. Way less radiation than a stress test. So if we really care about our citizens and we really want to save their lives, this is how we do it. It's very simple. Questions? Yeah. Thank okay. you, ma'am. <laughs> Are there any questions? Uh, Commissioner Honus, you're recognized, sir. Doctor, I respect you greatly for the work you do. Thank you. No, there's a bot there. <laughs> it's okay. There's, there's no bot. There's no bot. Not to her. I know you're honest and open, as you've demonstrated just now. And I know that you'll do everything you can to make it right. And you probably have over your lifetime, based on what you just stated. However, it's not just that you will the system is not you. Understood. You're one person in the system. The rest of these doctors are about a few. The structure and the system is the issue. For example, I can guarantee you that most of these machines are located away from the African-American communities, which means they have a longer distance to travel if they can afford to travel there, if they have access to travel, if they're not working two jobs or three jobs in order to make ends meet. So I'm not saying that you guys are not gonna do everything you can. I'm just wanting you to know that the structure and the system has to be dealt with before I can say it's okay. If we don't have that structured already up front, the outcome's gonna be what we have today. And you live in the system, you talked about the outcomes right now. So you alone cannot change the outcomes. And if I'm gonna go out and say, say to poor people, tax yourself some more, because this is good, and it's, there's no structure, no system in place that will change the dynamics of what we see, let's look at COVID. We see the disparity in health outcomes. It's structured. Sure. Well, there's a higher diabetes instance, there's a higher hypertensive instance, for sure. But unfortunately, those are the same patients that are going to have coronary disease. So. <laughs> and, 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 and how are we going to change the structure of the system to change the dynamics and the results of what's happening today is what I'm talking about. Understood. Thank you. When I said there'd be a but, I should have there's said a however. there'd be a however. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there, okay, uh, Vice Mayor Udine, you're recognized, sir. So when they talk about the different study sizes, when they do the, the testing um, strategy, when they, when they bring a, a blind sample, or a, I don't know what you call it in the medical field, they do a 50,000 people. If we sent you 6,000 people, what percentage of people would you find that are at some level of coronary disease that this would have made a difference for? I'm assuming the number is pretty high. At least 50%. So if we sent you 6,000 patients, 50% of them would have some, you would say to them, we've helped you because we found it's a 10%, 20%, 30% rather Correct. than nothing. So and, and it would be a huge number. Huge. And to that point, the, the reason that I prefer this test is, I'm sure you all have, I know for a fact, you have someone in your family that doesn't want to take their medicine for something. Either they're diabetic, they're hypertensive, they're still smoking. They don't, they don't get it. Some, they, just, they don't get it. When you show them a picture right. with a pencil and you point to say, look, look what's growing in there, miraculously people stop smoking. 
they start taking their medications. How do I know that? Because it happens every single day in my office as a preventive cardiologist. I have to beg people to take their medications. And then when they see a cartoon picture drawing like Dr. Smokovinsky does on his beautiful CT scanner, it's all it takes. And then I never see them again because now their primary care doctor can handle it because they started taking their meds. Thank you. Dr. Sharif, you're recognized, ma'am. So I just wanted to clarify, when we talk about the machine placement, um, you know, Broward County has a North Broward, South Broward Hospital District. It has Holy Cross, it has Cleveland Clinic, um, it has uh, Florida Medical Center. So these machines do not have to be just in a, an affluent area. And so I'm gonna say that if in fact the voters vote to have this at their disposal, these machines can be located all throughout Broward County. Is there any limitation on that? No, and I'll let Dr. Smolkovinsky speak. I think the biggest probably, not even limitation, it's, it's the, the radiologist interpretation, right? So we need to have the radiologists who are capable of interpreting this test. Just like you have radiologists who read MRIs, you have radiologists who read CAT scans, they need to be able to interpret this test. Right. But luckily, we also have mechanisms of which, you know, we can just send them out virtually as well. I was just going to say, like, so, these, exactly. these tests can be transmitted. Exactly. As long as the machine is present in the area, the test can be done by radiology tech and sent <clears throat> via electronics like we do everything else electronically through the health record. Correct. Yeah, I mean, we have more CT scanners in Broward County than all of Canada, period. So there's right. CTs everywhere. Every diagnostic center, you know, that offers x-rays has it. Every hospital has it. So these machines can potentially be used. They just have to, we have to develop some sort of standard for them to meet, you know, so that these patients can have quality studies wherever they're at. So that's what I envision. I mean, the whole infrastructure is actually there in place. Right. And so... That was my point. I just wanted to make sure that we were clear when we're talking about um, low income and disadvantaged areas and high populations of black and brown communities that have historically had a lack of access to care. This is not one of those times where we're not going to be able to access care. Correct. Right. So, Barbara, well, yes. after working on this for a year, what was mentioned by Commissioner Holness, uh, whether it's my district, Northwest Pompano, or any other districts, uh, within a 20 minute drive, anybody in Broward, 20 minutes from where they're at, should be able to get to a diagnostic center or hospital that has this machine, 20 minutes or less. Right. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Dr. Shreve. Are there any additional questions of this uh, doctor? If not, Dr. Smuklovisky, who's next, sir? I wanted to introduce uh, Dr. Luis Barreras, who's a triple four uh, board certified oncologist, hematologist, uh, internal medicine. And uh, he's very distinguished. He was a past president of the Holy Cross uh, Hospital. Uh, so he's a very respected physician. He has his own story to tell about cardiac CT and how this impacted him. Doctor, thank you for being here today, sir. You're recognized. Good afternoon. Um, when Claudio called me and asked me to come and talk, um, I, I never say no to him um, because Claudio has always been on the top of his game. Um, anything he does, uh, he does it very well. Um, let me tell you a real quick story. 16 years ago, I'm a cyclist. I, I cycle 100 miles a week or more. 
And I was at the top of Aspen Mountain, 14,000 feet, doing great. But everybody on my father's side had died of a heart attack. So when I got back, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, pushed me to go see Claudio, who ran the CT angiogram. I had triple vessel disease. No symptoms. Wall muscle, perfect. I don't have diabetes. I only have high blood pressure. So if I don't go see Claudio and I don't do this test 16 years later, which is now, at age 68, I'm probably dead. So I can't tell you how important this test is. So I would highly recommend that uh, everybody look at it carefully and consider it. But I would like to look at it more from an oncology perspective because I think there's a lot of, of things that we can do here as well with this half penny tax. Education to me is the most important thing. If we don't have education, we don't have it in the schools, we're never gonna get anywhere. So we need to educate our, our students, we need to educate our people on how to take care of themselves, how to know the risk factors of cancer, risk factors of cardiovascular disease. So I think education is very, very important in this. And if we pass this, Broward County passes this, I'm gonna be pushing for education. That'll be my first priority in this, which I think is very important. Thank you. Thank you, is there any questions? Mr. Vice Mayor, you're right. I'm just impressed that he biked to the top of Aspen yeah. Mountain. I mean, that's like impossible. <laughs> I hiked it a few times, I couldn't bike. And I, had I can't do it now. <laughs> I could drive it. Oh, one one more thing, um, um, Commissioner Holness, you have concerns. When we pass this, if we do, come join us and help us structure it, or have somebody in your field bring. Uh, bring the information and help us structure it I'm not, I'm in my, the way you like it. My nod in my head doesn't mean that I wouldn't join you. What I'm saying to you, sir, I think is being missed. I hear you. I, I don't you. want to wait until it's passed. Okay. It needs to be done before it's passed. I hear you. In, 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 in any kind of transaction, the parameters must be set before you sign. And if it's not set before you sign, then you are hoping and praying that what needs to be done is done. It needs to be structured first. The system needs to be addressed first before I will go out and campaign and support something like this. I recommend to the people that I represent that this is good. Uh, and, 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 and I'm not saying it's, not, it's a bad thing. It's a, it's a good idea. But at the end of the day, if the structure in the system is not addressed up front, there's no guarantee that it will be done in the end. Let's look around our society. Okay. It's what it is now. Well, we need to change it. We need Absolutely. to change it. Absolutely. And the way we change it is to make sure that we have contracts, documentation, and, and the idea that these could be in 20 minutes drive. Again, no one has said it is now. Yes, it could be. Right. But what is going to be put in place to make sure that it is?
prior to us going out and saying yes. Because after you say yes, it doesn't have to happen. We will push for that. Thank you, sir. Any other questions? Okay. No, thank you, Dr. Smuklovitsky, who's next, sir. Is Dr. John Lee on the phone? Dr. Lee, are you on the yeah, phone, yeah. sir? You're recognized, sir. Uh, John Lee was a former uh, internal medicine resident in our hospital, and he was doing, uh, he's a cardiologist. He's now in, up in uh, Indiana doing an uh, interventional cardiology fellowship for EP. But anyways, he's got a story to tell. Go ahead, John. Tell him what happened to you. Okay, good afternoon. Thank you for this time to share. Uh, I'm a 34-year-old recently graduated cardiology fellow, so I don't have much to contribute to what's already been said by my mentors. But I do have a story how CCPA, this cardiac test, and Dr. Smokulski saved my life. Uh, about a year ago, uh, I started having this mild chest pain. Uh, so what does a smart cardiology uh, fellow do? I ignored it. Um, just like along with many other physicians or patients would have, what in the world a 34-year-old healthy former athlete without any risk factors, uh, how could he have a cardiac disease? Uh, my blood pressure was well controlled on its own. My cholesterol, my back cholesterol was less than 70, which is ideal. Uh, I didn't have diabetes, didn't have any family history. But my symptoms persisted, so I finally decided to get it checked out. Uh, and I knew exactly who to go to and what test to get. I drove up from Miami to Dr. Smokovitsky's hospital. I got CCTA. Um, to everyone's surprise, uh, we found out that I had a widowmaker, as you could tell from uh, uh, what the name suggests. Uh, this is a, a lesion that will uh, produce widows. So as a 34-year-old guy, now I have a spent place, um, and just this weekend I finished my 5K run without any symptoms and just living my life as if nothing happened. Uh, and, you know, I want to say I'm alive and well today because I need about this, uh, the strength and the power of this test. And... Um, and it's not for this test, and not for Dr. Smokovic's expertise, uh, probably won't be advocating. Uh, so I, I want to spend my career advocating for disease uh, prevention, and I think this is a perfect place to start. So thank you for your time. Thank you, sir. Are yeah. there any questions? And by the way, commissioners, we are down to five commissioners in the chambers. So please, if anyone leaves, we lose quorum. So please don't leave. Thank you, Dr. Lees. So here's a yes, yeah. Dr. Smuklovitsky. There's a there's a 34 year old doctor. Had he not known me or understood what this is, he'd probably be dead. He had the widowmaker. So this does not uh, this bears no age generally or race or it's non-discriminatory. It's an equal killer opportunity uh, disease. I'd like to get. Some of the testimony, Dr. Sizemore, who do you recommend sure. speak? Yeah, it's got to be very quick. Don't hold it against him, he's a lawyer. Uh, Mr. Kerwin, one of my patients that would like to do a testimony. And then Mr. DeRuxtra. I'll make it quick since it's been going a while. I'm 52 years old, born at Broward General, raised in Fort Lauderdale. 
I was a triathlete running triathlons up until March 28th ran a triathlon. Did charity bike rides 30, 40, 50 miles a week easily. Um, went to see Dr. Sizemore because I was having chest problems and I got suggested to go there. Did an EKG which turned out normal. Did a stress test with an EKG being read during it. It was normal. Based on what I was complaining about during the course of my testing, my symptomatology for lack of better terminology, um, Dr. Sizemore suggested I get the cardiac CT. I was lucky enough to have insurance that covered it, which I'm an insurance defense attorney, but it was a pain in the behind to get the insurance to actually cover it. We had to jump through various hoops. At which time, after taking the test, 45 minutes later, I'm getting frantic phone calls because I have two blocked, completely blocked occluded arteries that were chronic, which from what I understand from my doctor means nine months longer a year. Resulted in me on July 6th having double bypass surgery, which then turned into triple bypass when they had opened me up. Without the cardiac CT scan, we wouldn't have known this. I would have continued to run. I was running three, four days a week on A1A, three to four miles at a time. The cardiac CT scan um, saved my life. And I was lucky enough to have insurance to cover it. And it might be something that's beneficial, especially as a diagnostic procedure to prevent further problems down the line. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions? Any questions? No. No. All right. Uh, that, okay, go ahead. Hold on. I need to count. One, two, three. Yeah, we still have five. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I'm certainly thankful to be here, especially after hearing all these doctors say your first incident was a fatal incident. I'm thankful that mine wasn't. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm 50 years old. Um, I work as an air traffic controller down in Miami. Um, play hockey, surf, paddle, run. I do it. I keep active and I eat right. Always had. Um, I put off the calcium score for a couple of years. A friend of mine had mentioned maybe you should get a calcium score. I put it off for two years. It just really wasn't convenient. It was a few miles away. I put it off. Finally, someone in my work, in shape, had uh, gone into the hospital with some chest pains. He had a major blockage. I said, okay, let me do it. Went in a couple of days later, put the calcium score, got it done. My uh, family doctor called me, the receptionist, the, the nurse's assistant, left the message, said, hey, your calcium score is a little high, give us a call back. So I did some research online and I saw what a high score was, it was 400. Called back, said, listen, your calcium score is a little high, it came in at 1400. <laughs> well, I knew that was not just a little high. Now. I don't know anything, I move airplanes, that's what I do as a job. So when I did find Dr. Sizemore at Broward Health, she went over the calcium score with me, showed me what it could be. Again, it was kind of Chinese to me. Scheduled the CT scan. And when that came back, I walked in the office, she said, it's not good. She explained that to me. Now that was a little more evident to me that there was an issue. It was a highly technical test but it showed everything that made sense to me. From that point in time, uh, and this was during the COVID, so, so it kind of, it was hard to get in and out. Luckily, Dr. Sizemore got me in uh, to see Dr. Zednik and ultimately scheduled the heart cath. I did the heart cath one Tuesday morning. They went in there, my Widowmaker 94% blocked. They said, listen, you're not going anywhere. Two days later, quintuple bypass. You know, I consider myself healthy, but moreover, right now, I consider myself lucky. 
And I'm very passionate about that story because I do believe that test and Dr. Sizemore saved my life. So I'm very passionate about telling people about this and hopefully um, through this you know, uh, journal here, there is a change for it because like I said, I'm very, very lucky. Thank you. Thank you. Thank are you. there any questions? One last one. Okay, no problem. Wait, wait, first, are there any questions? If not, thank you. Dr. Smukovitsky, will you introduce this witness as well? Hi, my, my name is Lil Onstead, O-N-S-T-A-D. Okay, and my you. husband is a physician. Um, I recently turned uh, 83, and uh, when I was 68 with no symptoms, um, I never had uh, shortness of breath. I didn't have um, any chest pain. Uh, I didn't have high blood pressure. I was a high energy person. I was working full time. I was playing tennis. Um, and I was asked to have a CT angiogram because it was something fairly new and that would be a good thing. Well, <clears throat> all three of my arteries, my main arteries, were uh, very, very highly blocked in the 90s. I had a quadruple bypass. And that was in uh, 2007. And uh, Mayor Geller, I've had two follow-up CT angiograms. So here I am. Well, congratulations on, <laughs> on being here still. Thank you. Well, yeah, I've talked to her husband. He can yes. talk for one minute. I can sure. talk for one minute. OK. One minute. Dr. Onstad is, uh, is a triple board certified internist pulmonologist and he has an MDVIP practice so his goal is to prevent heart attacks and death and there's no question uh, as you've heard from many people that it uh, can prevent not only death it can prevent serious coronaries which take people out of work who may have kids in college and that sort of thing they don't have to be 60 year old when they get it they don't have to be 70 and yet we find some people who are 80 who will live to 90 who have 90 percent block of their left main or their left anterior descending and with surgery they can live for many more years and they'll uh, if i had the time i could go through a lot of people in this town that you actually know from doing this for the past 40 years um, I believe in it wholeheartedly. It saves a lot of money. It finds people who have serious disease and need immediate care who have no symptoms and who pass their stress test, although sometimes, admittedly, a stress test will tell you that you need a bypass also or a cap. But it picks up 50% additional people, and I'm wholeheartedly into it and have been since uh, before Claudio came to Holy. Uh, we saw him up in Boca, and that's where he did the CTA on my beloved wife. Thank you. Thank you, again, Commissioner Bogan. Yes, I want to. I want to thank all the doctors coming today. I want to just end by saying, we have a ticking time bomb. If at 50 percent, which which I believe two doctors pointed out, 50 percent of those people who were examined had problems. We have two million residents. We're talking potentially 50% of the adult population in Broward County potentially could need this help. And um, I think it's the most significant thing. And that we haven't even talked about cancer. We haven't even talked about the cancer issue and the, and the cancer testing. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for coming. I appreciate it. And, and you know, I may not be able to please all of the commissioners. I need five votes to get this on the ballot. 
and um, and I uh, hope you'll consider. Thank you. I thought it took six votes to get something on the ballot. Mayor, at six votes for a charter amendment, this would be five votes. Good. Thank you. Thank you all. All right. Um, thank you, Commissioner Bogan. Uh, all, all of the numerous doctors. Doctor, thank you. 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 Doctor, right. <laughs>